Hello, and welcome to the Tag Podcast. Hello. It's episode number 13. Unlucky for some. Uh, I felt like I was going to be a bingo caller then, and I just lost interest halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should look up all the bingo calls for and, yeah. uh, and have them ready for the beginning of each episode, but uh, yeah, that but cool. uh, but, I, but I'm I'm probably not going to. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this week we're talking about um, space. Woo. Well, on that topic, have you seen the finale yet? No, I haven't. I'm still. No, normally, I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm way behind on Doctor Who. The trouble is, I can't just watch the finale. I've got probably at least five episodes I need to catch up on. I'm very behind. Oh, really? Because I'm, I'm going. I should tell you now. Like, I'm, I'm going to need to mention one later, but I won't spoil it or anything. But as long as there's not massive spoilers, I'm not. It's not a big one. Okay. Yeah, no, it's not a big one. Yeah. But no, let's start with Doctor Who. Let's start with. Doctor All right, yeah, let's let's jump into what, Doctor what Who. What do you think of Peter Capaldi? Hmm. I'm still not I'm, sure. I was just saying. I know, I know. I know. We have talked about this before, but I mean, I've seen a few more episodes since. But yes, trouble is, I've. I think I've seen one episode since we had the Doctor Who cast. Yeah. And I've not seen it, anything else. So my 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 opinion. I've I've had no development on my opinion really my opinion's growing on him I have to admit um, there, there's been some some minor developments towards you know like um, his relationship with Clara specifically mm. um, and that that's kind of in relation to uh, to the, the boyfriend situation that she has now uh. um, but yeah I mean I, I, I'm I'm starting to really, really appreciate him, um, because he's a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah, he's see that, like see that major dick. That's that's the one direction I don't mind them going in, because as I say, yeah. one of my probably my favourite of the old doctors, as I say in the Who cast, is is the first one, and I yeah, because I love him being a being a, an, an old dick, yeah, telling no. everyone to shut up. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's quite. Um, Quite on, as far on the scale as William Hartnell, mm. but um, yes, he's, no, he's definitely—he's not quite got the lovable quality that William Hartnell yeah. has. But no, he—that's growing. I think. Okay. I think that is growing, and I think where we're going to see that most is going to be the Christmas episode, which they've just because obviously the finale was only this week. Mm. They've only just shown the... the yes, I, I, I did have a quick look at the teaser for the Christmas episode. And I haven't seen it yet. All I know is that Nick Frost is um, Father Christmas. Well, the teaser, you there's there's half a second of Father Christmas, and he's in, oh, really? and, and it's quite a wide shot, so you can't tell it's Nick Frost. Oh, can you not? No. But as, as far as I'm aware, you know how um, in uh, when Rose left, and he turns around and there's Catherine Tate in uh, in the the Christmas oh, yeah, the, in the, yeah, series two yeah and the, the series two Christmas special was the uh, Catherine Tate, the first Catherine Tate episode where she was yeah. the bride and she was just in the TARDIS yeah from my understanding from the small news clip headlines that I've seen because I, I'm trying to really not spoil this for myself um, in regards to the finale um, I believe Nick Frost actually appears in the TARDIS at the end of the episode oh, um, okay. So you can tell it's him there. Um, again, I'm, I don't 
Um, don't hold me to that. I, I haven't seen the episode. That's just what I believe from, from what I've read. I, I was planning today at one point to um, to make this a Doctor Who day and, and catch up as I was um yeah I was doing a bit of housework I needed to do. But uh, in the end, I ended up watching um Let's Drown Out, which is completely unrelated. Um, which is uh, uh Yati who does zero punctuation. His oh right his YouTube yeah. podcast um that he oh does. right I didn't know he had a YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's. I like that guy now. And I, <laughs> I've seen a fair few zero punctuation. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's nice. It comes out. It's what's nice is that it's uh, it comes out every Sunday on YouTube. And, yeah. and 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 the internet, like the rest of the world, does tend to shut down a bit on a Sunday. There's mm-hmm. very there's very few things that put out new content. But he always he and his friend uh, Gabriel um, do a uh, just do it just basically do an hour playing through a game. Usually just, oh, I, think, I actually just think you can tell me about oh, this. Oh, I, I might have mentioned. They don't really talk about the game or something. Do no, that? yeah, they don't. They don't talk about the game very much. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, but I'm afraid I, I spent all day watching uh, watching episodes of that I needed to catch up on. So yeah. sorry, well, Doctor Who. Catch up on Doctor Who. I will get there. I will get there. Because there's a big revelation. I, I, at least un- last episode I watched. Unfortunately, I know at least one big revelation, which was spoiled by someone on Facebook. But, uh, there we go. Uh, I, I can. I bet I can even guess what it was. But go on. <laughs> All right. Well, well, well. Spoilers for anyone. Um, anyone cut watching the current season of Doctor Who? I believe the Master shows up. What? No, I'm joking. Yeah. yeah. Master, really. <laughs> it's not. It's not Johnson. No, no. Um, I, 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 I knew it, it wouldn't be him. I knew there'd be pictures of him doing that. Uh, no, I'm not. Is it a, okay, is right. it a character well, I've already met? Um, or do you know who yet, or is it? I I know I know who it is, and I'm not going to ruin it for okay. you. Um, there was one thing that I really liked. But if it's a character I've already met, then you can probably already I'm guess. Pr- I'm, tell you I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's it's Claret's boyfriend. Um, well, I'm not going to confirm that. <laughs> I'm not going to deny it, but I'm not going to confirm it. Okay. Um, I will tell you this. In the spoiler, not the spoiler, sorry, the teaser, mm. for the penultimate episode. Um, sorry, burping because I'm drinking a lot of Diet Coke. <laughs> right, in the teaser for the, um, for the penultimate episode, because obviously with every series, it inevitably has the... the uh, not the last one episode, but the one before that. It's always like a kiddie episode. Yeah. Um, with Matt Smith, it always had James Corden in, because, you know, like, the world loves James Corden. Um, and it's because, uh, you know, they need to have a light-hearted episode, because the next one's going to be really fucking dark. <laughs> um, so the teaser for, for the next episode um, was basically Clara holding the key of the TARDIS to the Doctor and saying you're never going to get in your TARDIS again, um, and then sort of like shots of, of certain certain enemies that return, and then um, uh, and then uh, there's Clara's voice again saying something like Clara Oswald never existed. Um, so I'm not going to confirm or deny that Danny Pink is the Master, nor am I going to confirm that. Uh, anyone else, possibly who has appeared in certain episodes you may have seen, uh, is it, is or is not the master. Um, 
Okay, well, I, 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 I am, for thought. I am excited now. I'm, I'm probably going to start watching episodes tonight. I'm, I'm sure I won't finish it because um, I'm too far um, behind. But I, I'm going to start what, picking up that up tonight. Now, I should point out. I know who the master is. Mm. You find out in an ultimate episode. Okay. Um, and I was a, I was a bit disappointed. Okay. The way they set it up, I thought, because this person reveals, I'm, you know. I'm this. I'm. I'm. I'm not who you think I am. And the doctor's like, well, who are you? And they say something. And I thought, no, it's you. Mm. And then it turns out, no, I'm the master. And I was like, no, I thought you were someone else. Uh, that would have been so much better. I think it was the what's it called again? The um, uh, the the bad. the bad doctor from the future. No, no, no. I thought I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Tell me when you. Okay, tell me well. when you've at least seen. <laughs> okay. Tell me when you've seen the penultimate episode, and I'll tell you. A who I thought this person was, but B, I'll tell you why I thought this person would have been that why person. Did, why did... C, I, I'd tell you why, if they'd made it this person, everything would have made a lot more sense. Uh, okay. Which is why I thought, which is why I was a bit disappointed. Uh, but was, maybe, maybe, maybe it was a, yeah, maybe it was a, I'm, a I'm going to watch that episode again before I watch George's the finale. finale. Okay. Because apparently, spoiler alert, the finale is a tearjerker. <gasps> so, um, but yeah. Anyway, so, so, right. Let's get let, back let, on to let's, let's get let's get on to let's get on to something uh, again. I haven't seen, but which you can spoil for me, which yeah. is the film Interstellar. Now I told you to watch this. Film. You told me to you watch this film. Shitty Jake Gyllenhaal. And instead. I was dragged. I was dragged off to another film. Um, now, before I talk about Interstellar, I should say that I watched two films that day. Um. One of them was Tommy Wiseau's The Room, which <laughs> we'll get onto later because that's my bad movie review. And while I'm not in the review, I can say that it was a movie so boring that my TV turned itself off. <laughs> I, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say bad things until after. I, I, I'm pretty sure that me telling you an actual fact, that my TV did actually turn itself off so halfway your, through. So your TV activated the sleep timer as you were watching the film, is what you mean? Yes, yes. Um, actually, I have a new TV because I had a problem with the TV turning itself off. But it was particularly <laughs> offy during Tommy Wiseau's The Room. But I watched two films that day, Tommy Wiseau's The Room and then a couple of hours later, I went and saw Interstellar. Um, and it's very spacey. Very, very spacey. Um, it, it does look quite spacey from the advert, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, when when you're looking at a film called Interstellar, you expect space. But then, I suppose, if I was going to see a film called Nightcrawler, I'd at least expect to see some teleporting. <laughs> and clearly, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm, I'm wrong that there's there's teleporting in the film. Uh, let's let's not yeah. go into that film. Okay, so <laughs> Interstellar. Um, <clears throat> I mean, let let me set the scene for you. The um, the world has been polluted and and sort of like abused so much that now there's like these these awful weather conditions where like there's just dust everywhere, and so mm. this dust is now killing off most of the vegetation and the animals on the planet. Um, and the hum- the only reason the humans have survived so long is because they can sort of um, 
they know when the dust is coming and things like that. You know, they 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 can take precautions so they're not yeah. breathing in the dust and things. Um, and boom, lightning strike. And then boom, lightning strike. A colossal penis just falls on the, on the main <laughs> character, and and Erin's just like, oh my god. Um, so uh, Matthew McConaughey is your typical Matthew McConaughey. You know, family man. Undeniably likable, even though you can't stand his, you know, his face because he's Matthew McConaughey. I say that I really like Matthew McConaughey now. Ten years ago, different story, but you know, um, and you know, uh, I have seen Sahara and I've seen fucking Fool's Gold, and (laughs) I'm I'm still annoyed, but this makes up for it. Um, So, um, I mean, it's it's a good three-hour film. Um, nearly three hours. Um, three hours when you sort of walk out and you go, what, what just happened? Um, and you have to piece it all together in your head. Uh, but long story short, he used to be a pilot. Um, he used to be a very good pilot um, for the, uh, the not NASA, but like NASA, um, like another, not, not a space company, but like sort of the, the American government. But then since all this has happened, Pretty much everyone's just turned to, to farming um, and to agriculture to try and... So you may enjoy it, because you, you're in that that field. Um, and there's a lot of farming in it. Um, so anyway, um, his daughter... Uh, his daughter he's, got a, he's, he's got a son and a daughter, and the son is pretty neglected, to be fair. I felt very bad for the son all the way through the film, um, because the, the relationship primarily focuses on him and his daughter. Um, <clears throat> I mean, how spoilerific do you want me to be? You can spoil everything if you like. Okay, so as, it, much, it, as much as you like. Very, very early on in the film, um, I'm talking like five minutes into the film. Um, Matthew McConaughey is talking to his daughter, and his daughter's afraid of the ghost in her room, and uh, and he's saying, in 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 typical Matthew McConaughey way, uh, there's no such thing as ghosts. Um, I am afraid of no ghost. Uh, and you know you, you get you get quite a, a lengthy exposition um, to establish the relationship with his daughter, but then it turns out that there is something in the room, and you're thinking, oh, what? So this this is supposed to be space, not ghosts. It's not ghosts. There's a gravity anomaly in her room, and it's like he realizes this during a dust storm when he realizes that all the dust is settling in certain places. He recognises it as binary code. They figure out they and its coordinates. They go to these coordinates and it's NASA, um, but it's like the new NASA because the world is now funding everything into finding new sources of food. So NASA are a secret company. NASA basically tell him, "Look, you were brought here for a reason. You were brought here by the same gravitational anomaly that <clears throat> brought us all here. So we know that you have to, you know." So they send him into space because he's the best pilot that they can find. Right. Um, and the idea is 12 people have gone into space. They've found this wormhole. 12 people went into space before this. And because they, they looked through the wormhole with probes and found 12 potentially inhabitable. Sorry, 12 potentially habitable worlds. Yeah. Um, so they sent 12 different people off. Um, and then three of the 12 of basically send signals back saying my world is habitable um, come and save me because there's no way of them getting back the idea is 
if you go there and you you know it's a gamble yeah. you know if you find the right world you get to live unfortunately if you don't you you've died knowing that you've done something amazing for the world anyway yeah um so three of these worlds are habitable they send Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway up into space, and Michael Caine is currently the head of NASA at this point. He stays on Earth and basically says, there's a plan A, there's a plan B. The plan A is that um, we get, uh, we, we, I figure out the sort of the way these aliens, because they believe that it's aliens that have the um, sent these gravitational yeah. anomalies yet, and, and it's aliens that are trying to save them. It's aliens that have sent this this wormhole and they believe they're some sort of fifth dimensional being that can see time as sort of a, as, as an actual thing. Mm-hmm. And that's how this is happening. And it's, it's a very intelligent movie because they've worked with Kip Thorne, who is one of the, one of the world's leading astrophysicists. Um, and he's, you know, very smart man. All of the film is based on his research, and so when when they contacted him and says, "Look, we're using your research as the basis," he went, well, "Let me be involved in the film." And there's going to be um, he's going to publish a paper just from the research that he's got through doing the film. That's cool. So, um, <clears throat> but they go to the, the they go to two of the three worlds. The first world is a dud, um, and the only reason they're receiving a signal is because it's so close to a black hole. There's a time anomaly, so one hour on that planet is something like seven years on Earth. And so okay. by the time they're there, she's only been there a couple of hours. She's probably only just died. And so the signal that they're receiving is actually only the um, I've landed on the planet thing. Right. So they go to the next world, and then all of a sudden Matt Damon's there. Um, now, during this time... <clears throat> because, because uh, as I say, they've gone through a wormhole. There's, there's all these time anomalies. Um, time on Earth has passed exponentially, something like 33 years. Um, and of course, Matthew McConaughey's like, "Oh, my daughter!" Blah, blah, blah. So his daughter, who is all pissed off with him for going away to save the Earth, starts working with Michael Caine and NASA because they established at the start that she's smart. Yeah. It ends up that. Um, Matt Damon's kind of gone space crazy um, ends up sort of trying to kill Matthew McConaughey because Matthew McConaughey wants to go home they realise when Michael Caine dies that Michael Caine never intended to um, go with plan A which was figuring out these gravitational anomalies and he wanted to go with plan B plan B is that there's like all this um, all these fertilised eggs on the ship that they're with and they just basically they're going to Reinhabit uh, a world. This 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 world that's live habitable. Matt Damon lied. Matt Damon got scared <clears throat> um, and started sending out the all clear signal so that he'd get saved and then he'd move on to the next world and hopefully take over the mission. Um, so that's what he intends to do. He ends up dead, but he ends up blowing up half the ship. And mm. um, I'm 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 really understating how visual this film is. There's like the plot is actually quite thin, really. <laughs> they, they have to go to these three worlds. Um, only one of them ends up sort of habitable, and then and then the end. Um, and the end is sort of like this, a, a bit bigger. But <clears throat> so Matt Damon sort of you know blows up half the ship, and they realise well, there's no way back home now. Mm. Um, 
we've got just enough fuel possibly to fly towards the third planet, which also happens to have Anne Hathaway's boyfriend on it. Um, and so, but they, they, they won't reach it. And Ma- uh, Matthew McConaughey basically says, well, what if we fly ourselves towards the black hole and then use the jet propulsion of both of our um, emergency escape pod ships and ex- like exploration ships um, to propel ourselves around the black hole out of the gravitation and slingshot ourselves towards manually slingshot ourselves towards by jackknifing from these from one to one from these comments we might just (laughs) get some sort of gravity boost sir Um, with all due respect that plan makes no sense so they do that and then uh, but then Anne Hathaway's in the main ship um, the funny quirky robot um, that, you know, immediately sounds like we've talked regularly about just shit comic relief characters. Um, this robot is, you gotta remember, he's still a Christopher Nolan character. So he's actually quite funny and he does serve a main purpose to the, the film. It just so happens that he's actually quite funny as well. Uh, so that the funny robot is in one ship and gets sent off into the black hole and then Anne Hathaway's like, yeah, we're doing it. And then Matthew McConaughey's like, no, someone has to send the other ship off. And she's like, what, where are you? And he's like, I'm in the other ship. So Matthew McConaughey ends up in the black hole. Um, and this is where it gets, this is, I really wish they'd explored this part of the film more than they'd explored the other half of the film. Yeah. Because the first half, well, I say first half of the film, the first three quarters of this film has been, you know, looking around in space and then watching his daughter grow up on Earth, which, Okay, story-wise, important, but this next half is what happens inside the black hole. And he sort of goes through it, and basically, like, a lot of the stuff they've, they've sort of, they've, they've sort of, um, looked into is, is all theoretical science and what would happen if we go in a wormhole. But the biggest thing that they've touched upon that they don't really explain is quantum theory i.e. there's an infinite number of universes um, with an infinite number of you in the, each universe sort of thing. There's one of you in each universe sort of thing. Yeah. And, and there are certain theories in quantum theory that state that when you die, you, your consciousness moves on to the next one, so you never feel like you die. And eventually you get to a point where sort of that's it sort of thing, and, and then everyone's alive again. And this is how some scientists have explained the theory of heaven in that there is an afterlife because you're constantly moving on into a new platform of life and eventually you're going to catch up with other people. Yeah. But of course you're not going to be aware of it. But it's just great how, because it's still an action film in that, okay, they're not fighting against anyone except in the small Matt Damon bit. They're fighting against nature in points. And they survive ridiculous things. And I'm watching this and all I'm thinking is, are you going to explain that this is part of quantum theory and this is how they're surviving all of this? And they kind of don't. But then when he goes into the black hole, it's like he shouldn't live. But of course, if it's quantum theory, he does live because he has to live because there's an infinite number of universes where he must live. So he survives going in the black hole and then he basically... 
you know, in the black hole, he's transported to a place, um, and it turns out it's not aliens, it's like humans that have like evolved and evolved and evolved over, you know, in the from the future. Yeah that survived this, whatever this was, because of what Matthew McConaughey does next. And it's kind of like a time paradox in that if Matthew McConaughey wasn't there, then they wouldn't be there to point Matthew McConaughey in the direction that he needs to go to save them so that they can go back and tell him that he needs to save them sort of thing. But these are now, humans have evolved into fifth dimensional beings, so they can perceive time as as sort of an actual physical thing. So they put him in something that they... And I did notice this. They called it the Tesseract. Um, which just made me think, oh, Marvel. Um, and there we go, we've got another one with me mentioning Marvel. Um, well, we were pr- probably might have brought up, we'll probably maybe touch on Guardians of the Galaxy at some point later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even though we were but. but, um, I just wanted to review the movie, I've just gone through the plot at the moment, I've just told <laughs> you the entire plot of the movie. But anyway, so he's in there, and this is, this is the bit that I just saw coming from the start. Because they'd said that they were going to delve into black holes and things like that and, and quantum theory and time travel. And so he finds himself now sort of in this sort of physical state where he can see time. Um, and he realizes he's looking at the point in time where he needs to be to change things. And then you start to see him change things and all of a sudden you realize, oh, there is such thing as a ghost. Because he was the ghost at the start of the film, and he was the one creating the time, uh, the gravity anomalies, and he's, you know, so they, they end up saving the world, and it's, you know, it's a happy ending. Um, but it is a great space film. It's one of those sort of sci-fi films that, you know, you go and see. I'm going to say Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm going to say Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians of the Galaxy isn't a bad film, but there's a lot of action, there's a lot of bang bang, pow pow sort of thing. Yeah. And okay, that's because it's a superhero movie. But this is like, um, this is like what a proper epic movie. This this isn't about sort of like you know, can we beat this person? Can we stop them? You know, and then and then there's a happy ending sort of thing because at the end of it all, it's still quite tragic what happens. You know, Earth is finished. Earth is finished at the end of the film. Yeah. Um. He what he succeeds in doing when he, he's going through through time and sort of sending all these messages out. As, as, as best he can, um, and then you know finally connect, reconnecting with his daughter through it, um, who realizes, oh my god, it's dad. Dad's trying to speak to him. Um, is he he sends them the data from the quirky robot that's sent into the the um, the the black hole as well. He sends them the data of what it's sort of recorded from inside a black hole, so that they can play with gravity basically, and so. In doing so, Plan A works because the gravity sort of anomalies that they can now manipulate can send a large portion of sort of land into space through the wormhole and save humanity. Well, the, the humans that are on Earth, basically, because that's the thing that humanity is pretty much wiped out anyway. There's only a select amount of humans left. Um, you know, they are dying out. It's a great film, and. I mean, my my, re- my review of it there doesn't particularly give it justice because it's so visual. Um, and some of the stuff they've done, like I say, with quantum theory, is very clever. It's great to see it played out on screen um, as something that could happen. I don't necessarily believe it's believable, 
and I was a little bit disappointed with a happy ending, but with such a happy ending. Yeah. But no, it's a, I definitely recommend watching it, and like I say, it's just so good to see a film about space where they're not taking space for granted. They are sort of going, fuck me, this is amazing. What is that? That's beautiful. Look at this. Isn't this amazing? You know, it, it's like, um, you know, like your typical sort of uh, 50s sort of sci-fi where everything's enhanced and everything's like over the top sort of thing because it's just like, look at how wonderful this could be. It's kind of like that in a realistic sense. It's still taking that sort of wonder and sort of like, ooh, you know, um, and especially with the, with the theoretical side of it, you know, like they'll just pl- they just play with stuff. Like there's one great bit where um, where they go to the first planet, they're down there very slightly longer than they w- they should have been because of you know something, and they come back and seven years hasn't passed, like something like twenty two years has passed yeah. because of it, and they'd left a guy outside of the um, the time dilation on the ship and so, so he's aged 22 years waiting for them and he, he's, his character has completely changed because of it and, it, and of course it would you know yeah. it's just these little things that sort of sort of throw the story that way and then throw a character this way and you know it's, it's a great sort of film to the very, like I say very spacey very That's sort of I'm definitely going to get into it now and, and we'll see. there's still that that you know, there's still that Christopher Nolan flair of, you know, not telling you the full story yet. <laughs> you know, he did it, he did it all the way through Batman, you know, he was teasing you with, it, you know, like, yeah, okay, you know about Ra's al Ghul, but do you really know about Ra's al Ghul? <laughs> and then the Joker, has he got something up his sleeve? What, what, what is it? What is it? And then with Bane, it was, you know, there was a bit less of a payoff of, you know, who's he working for? Oh, he's a henchman. Mm. Um, but especially with Inception as well. Inception was just a complete cock tease for the entire film, really. Um, and this, you know, it just feels like each film he's going on to do now is A, a very, pa- you know, it's passion piece. Mm. And B, very well thought out. And Hans Zimmer's music in it as well. Just... Well, what's not to love? Yeah, but Han- no, Hans Zimmer said before the film even sort of like had trailers coming out that he was he was writing the score and he was trying to completely reinvent what um, cinematic music was. I don't think he's quite done that, but it's very different. There are sort of where there's quiet scenes, there's quite loud music, and when there's sort of big loud scenes, there's there's even louder music, Um, but not necessarily the music that you would expect. Um, but it works really well, really well. Um, go see it. Go see it now. Interrupt this <laughs> podcast. Go see it. I will. As uh, I'll, I'll try and get into it tomorrow then. Okay, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it anymore because there's still things that I haven't talked about in the film. You know, um, yeah, so I'm just going to leave it there. Go see Interstellar. Um, more spaciness. What should we talk about? What should we talk about? Guardians of the Galaxy. It wasn't Guardians of the Galaxy. Are you looking forward to number two? I am. I am looking forward to number two. <laughs> <laughs> Infinity go. Wars. Infinity Wars should be set in space, or at least part of it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'm guessing 
Do we do we know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy two? I actually read something um, earlier today. I think it was just from James Gunn, mm-hmm. and he basically plotted out the ideas for number two during the filming of number one. And basically, any question that arose in the first film, he came up with an answer for for number two. Okay. Now, whether he's going to explore every single one of those answers is another matter. Yeah. But he has questions for. Uh, sorry, he has answers for those questions. I.e., who is Peter Quill's father? Um, that's where I think we're going to be going. I know that. Yeah, I know that's one. Yeah. One yeah. Um, but another thing he said was there are certain characters that didn't get as much screen time as maybe they could have and some stories that didn't play out a hell of a lot that he said you will see in number two um, so I think we're going to see a little bit more of Gamora mm. a little bit more of Groot um, a little bit more of Drax because really when you look at the film there were two scene stealers and it was Peter Quill and it was um, Rocky yeah I'd like to see a bit more of Yondu. I'd like to see them take him just very slightly back to his comic book um, sort of counterpart. Because in the comics, he was a good guy. Mm. I'd just like to see that deep down, yeah, okay, he's a ravager and everything, but, you know, he doesn't mean he's a bad person. Well, I'd imagine... A, li- I'd imagine a little bit that, like Captain Mal. I'd imagine but, that sort of... Thanos will feature in it again, if not, if not, even I, if oh, not the I expect so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if, I, if I we'll feel... see Thanos's plans start to ramp up, mm. and and that will sort of lead into maybe Infinity War, is where mm. he heads to Earth, or perhaps adds Asgard or something. Um, yeah, yeah. To where where yeah, Infinity War um, comes to the the main Marvel cast. Yeah, I I have a feeling we're going to see quite quite little of Thanos in Phase 3 because they've teased him they teased him in the Avengers they were like oh this is coming and then in Guardians of the Galaxy they were like yep he's definitely coming Yeah. if they carried on now and they were like oh Maltese oh here he is again it will get to the point where I'd just be like yeah Thanos I get it just <laughs> fucking do it like, I think I think we only need to see maybe one more appearance of him yeah. before Infinity Wars. Well, I, really, I, I I guess that that will be um, that'll be Guardians yeah. two. Really, the only the only natural place to put that would be the only film currently set in space, and that is Guardians. Uh, well, there's 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 Thor Ragnarok. But yeah, that's that's going to go into a bit more uh, well, sort uh, of like wider aspect, isn't it? Really, so you know maybe we'll see something there. And it might be that um, that some whatever sort of like bad guy they use in Ragnarok, um, he's going to sort of perhaps get some form of help in the same way Loki did from Thanos. Um, although I do feel somehow that Loki's going to be the bad guy, like the main complete bad guy of Thor three. Um, but I don't know, like with with Guardians two. I don't really, because I don't really know the comics that well. I don't know. I couldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to say to you sort of like, oh, I'd like to see this on screen. Like with Iron Man, I'd be able to tell you, oh, I want to see um, Death in a Bottle on screen. Or with Captain America, Civil War, obviously Civil War's coming, you know. Um, with Spider-Man, Maximum Carnage. 
I wouldn't be able to say a particular storyline for Guardians of the Galaxy that I think they go with. Um, but I don't think we're going to hear much announcements from it for a while, just because a Avengers Two is going to take most of the, uh, the the sort of like Marvel announcements for a while, yeah. and then everyone's going to be so focused on Civil War. Even if there are Guardians announcements, they're only going to be little because they don't want to waste them during the uh, Civil War promotion. But I know, I know I'm going to be really annoyed if Infinity Wars, either part one or two, doesn't have a good healthy section dedicated to the cosmic universe as well as sort of just Earth. Because Thanos isn't just a. No, I, 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 I know he won't, but I, I imagine it will, it will begin, or I, you know, this is probably how I'd do it. It will begin with Thanos's, you know, um, universe conquering ambitions, mm, um, yeah. coming to include Earth in whatever progression they take, and then yeah. Earth sits up and takes notice, and then, you know, it'll, it'll probably be that you know they, 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 they put up some effort and it does absolutely nothing. Um, mm. But then they realise, okay, we've got to do, we've got to do something bigger, and mm-hmm. you know, all, all they go off, they all, you know, go off into space. Um, Thor, Thor will bring round his chariot pulled by his two trusty goats. Um, if he's alive, <laughs> and they'll all climb in and uh, and fly off to space along the rainbow. Fly the rainbow road. <laughs> but I mean, what I like about the announcements, that, you know, that they've made. You look at a lot of films are doing this thing now where it's, you know, the final inclusion part of, of, of their film series is part one and part two. Um, Twilight, Hunger Games, you know, I can't think of any more. Harry Potter. You know, they're, they're doing it quite a lot with, oh, this is the yeah. big conclusion to what we've been building up to, so let's split into two parts. Um, so, to, Make sure, you know, they tell us it's to make sure the story's told right, but a big section of it is can we make more money? Um, what interests me about the Marvel one is you've got Infinity Wars Part 2, and then you've got another two films between that, sorry, Part 1, then another two films between Part 2. Mm. So, well, what's it's, it's it's interesting that. Whereas most of these films, the announcement that it's two films comes quite close towards it, usually yeah. maybe a year ahead. Yeah. Um, whereas this, you it, know, it's we, them going. We we've know, written a story. Yeah, we know years and years in advance. It's not that they've yeah. they've been writing and decided, oh no, it needs to be rewritten. Yeah. To you know, it seems like it's much more of the of the original process, saying no, no, the story is yeah. this and needs needs two films to tell it. Yeah. But what what I'm gonna what I'm looking forward to seeing is there has to be a beginning, middle, and end to Infinity Wars Part One, and it seems to be that the Marvel films, when you when you watch them from start to you know if you were to put them in chronological order of how they happen, really they're pretty much in the right order already. Mm. Okay with Captain America, the first Captain America film. It's set in the 1940s, but it's bookended by sort of like the, the, the present day. Yeah. So each film is, is presented chronologically anyway. Um, and so with Infinity Wars, 
I can't see them sort of like ending in the same way perhaps the Hobbit Desolation Smag did in the Oh, the Freed the Dragon, the Dragon's about to go. No, oh, no, that's alright. As, as, as it's got two films in the middle. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I, I, I there, There's going to be more things that come into play through those two films. Really, what we're looking at is a four part film and the two, two middle parts are standalone stories. In the same way you'd look at sort of like, um, comic books and then you'd see sort of like, uh, the, the most notable example I can think of immediately is they had Civil War, then they had Civil War Frontline, which was based on two to um, human reporters who were stuck in the middle of the Civil War sort of thing and, and sort of, um, you know, reporting on it. But then you had Civil War Spider-Man, Civil War X-Men, and it was sort of their stories, their personal stories during this major sort of thing that weren't necessarily involved in the final sort of volume of just Civil War. And I'm hoping with, uh, I know it's Captain Marvel, and uh, is it Black Panther? Yes. That Oh, I don't know, I don't know. The two, the two in between. I know one of them is Captain Marvel. I can't remember what the other one was. Um, but, you know, with these two films, I can't help but feel, that because, you know, it, it, the, these films, these Infinity Wars are going to be a lot bigger. Well, will than, it be that the main, cast, the main cast leaves Earth to go do battle or whatever? Quite possibly, and yeah. Then, and then, oh, well, shit's still happening on Earth. And mm-hmm. the, that's what those characters will be all dealing with. To an extent, I, you know, I'm sure it'll, they'll still have their own, you know, self-contained story. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not going to turn into basically a book chat, a book series where each film is dependent on the last one. Oh, no, um, no, no, no. Obviously, but, uh. Mm. But I am, I'm eagerly anticipating who the Avengers are going to be in Avengers 3, part 1 and 2. Yeah. Because all of the current Avengers are contracted to be in what was going to be just Avengers 3. Now they've confirmed the lineups are going to be changing and things like yeah. that. So As, uh, I'm we'll looking see. forward to seeing who's going to be on what team and where. Mm. What well, do you so, think? Do you think? Hmm, do you do you think we'll um, the rumors will be true and we will see one of the core Avengers in uh, in Guardians 2? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I hope, we, I kind of hope we do, but I kind of hope we don't, yeah. just because if, if they do that, if they, if they sent, um, if they sent Big Green Mr. Me up into space at the end of Avengers 2 and then in Guardians 2 we saw him there, mm. I would feel like a, a payoff hadn't been reached because when they send him into space, that's when you get Planet Hulk. That's when you get World War Hulk and Planet Hulk and, um, you know. Well, and again, it, it's. I like that story. The, tr- I like the trouble that is, story. As, you know, it's been tried again and again, and Hulk isn't a big movie drawer on his own, is the problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, which is, you know, obviously, you, think, you've had all these films announced. the right story. No, it's true, but it's, it's, it's hard to sort of, you know, you've, you've seen a couple of. You know, a couple of Hulk films, and none, none. Yeah. You know, it's ne- it's never, it's never been a big hit with the box office. So yeah, no. see, my... I liked the uh, the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk, and I, I was oh yeah, no, particularly... I, I, I did too. Yeah. Loads of people sort of said I was I was talking about um, doing a doing a run through of the films, um, and people saying oh yeah. well, we'll skip the Hulk. No, don't skip the Hulk. 
Oh, absolutely not. Why? It's an important part. Hmm. As I say, if you're going to do that, what you should do is you should do them and then put in the one shots as well where they should be mm. chronologically. Yeah. So that then there's That'll even be a fun more thing to do to go, go through and watch yeah. everything chronologically. Yeah. But I don't know. I just. I think with with the Hulk going into space, it'd be nice to see them do it. Mm. But I would like to see a bit more of payoff in that. Maybe even like we don't see a World War Hulk or sorry, a Planet Hulk as World War Hulk when he comes back. Maybe we don't see the Planet Hulk. Mm. Maybe we see um, sort of the Just, Guardians find him yeah. and they allude to the fact that Planet Hulk has already happened or something like that. Maybe, mm, maybe well, you know, be even more annoying, actually. No, don't do that. <laughs> Trouble is, I can't see the, them sending Hulk into space at the end, at the end of Avengers two because, sort of science-wise, the Mar- the Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't there yet, really. Mm. You know, you've got Tony Stark being very clever, and you do you do have the link to Asgard, um, yeah, through Thor and Loki and whatever. But you know, they're still. You know they're not exploring deep space and sort of having starting to have contact with all these different bits and pieces, mm-hmm. um, and quite clearly I don't think I don't think there's room to start all that in Avengers two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I can't imagine that they would, but you you know they they, they could surprise you, but uh, yeah, I mean clearly there's going to be some sort of big issues with Hulk. Mm. And I think it's going to be whatever happens with Hulk is going to be what triggers the um, the sort of the, the major fallout between Cap and, uh, and Tony Stark. Anyway, well, we shouldn't we shouldn't dwell too much because uh, getting yeah, no, we, we've already had the Marvel we've cast had... and we've already had an Avenger, uh, sorry, an X Men cast that turned into Marvel <laughs> cast. So let's let, let's let's go, let's, let's go away from the universe, okay? Um, I'm going to talk a bit for my, about uh, possibly my favourite science fiction sort of space uh, series, um, which annoys me a bit um, in that it's written by Orson Scott Card, who's, who's, <laughs> a, who's a horrible, horrible homophobe. But, um, the, the, but damn it, the man writes good science fiction. Um, and Maybe he's gay, really. Um, so well, a, a, a lot of them are, but he, he's, I, I believe he has uh, a wife and a, a, a large batch of kids, so mm. um, he's obviously oh. pretty good at hiding it. Um, so, tell me about Ender's Game, because I know of Ender's Game, I've got it on my list on Netflix, but I haven't watched it yet, but obviously I know the book is, uh, from, from my understanding, considerably better. Oh yeah, so looks much better. Um, uh, Ender's Game is um, is is very good in that it uh, it deals with um, humanity humanity jumping into space, not through their own initiative, but mm. when Earth is attacked by aliens. And okay. um, basically, the these aliens come to Earth um, and looking looking for a world to. Um, to uh, to cultivate, looking for a planet to cultivate. Do these aliens all have civil partnerships and like musical theatre? <laughs> Is it that black and white? Not quite, not quite. No. Um, <laughs> okay, that's okay. But the aliens, the thing is, the the aliens are all basically a big hive. Um, 
Okay. And uh, and and have um, and 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 only really have one mind, or well, they have one mind per colony. Each one is each one has a queen. Um, and they uh, they come to Earth, and basically start attacking and killing off off the. Well, there's the first um. There, there's there's two attacks basically. There's the first one which was um, just a big a big slaughter in uh, in in the desert in the China desert um, where uh, you know they come down. There's not that many. It's clearly just a scouting party slaughter a load of humans and sort of fly off to report back. You know they found a, a habitable yeah. world. Um, yeah. But this is when it's from some defeats of theirs that humanity sort of finds about out their technology and has been sort of stepping up its own space race as well um, and re- realizes yeah. okay you know this is obviously this is seriously something we need to um we need to think about and be prepared for mm-hmm. so suddenly yeah. all the world sort of has a um uh creates a sort of a sort of united nations nasa mm-hmm. um and uh, which is able to impose which ha- is able to impose government restrictions over all the world. Um, yeah. So, so to to be able to, you know, next time these aliens come, fight them off because they were so hilariously outmatched the first time. Yeah. Um, and uh, the aliens do come back, and um, with uh, with a colony, um, and humanity manages, even though they're still hopelessly hilariously outgunned. Humanity manages, sort of almost by chance, to take out the Queen's ship, and then all, all the others just died, basically. All, they all just stopped at their controls. Um, but the reason the aliens are attacking in the first place is um, they didn't realise that uh, human beings um, were particularly intelligent. They, okay. they assumed that they were just animals, because they yeah. couldn't conceive of um, of individuals having that kind of intelligence yeah, yeah. They, they they could only and then they realized the horrific thing they'd done in that they all their slaughter of human beings would be like the slaughter of you know, that many colonies to them so 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 the aliens actually sort of acknowledge what they're doing is wrong the aliens acknowledge what they're doing is wrong and uh and, and don't try and this is this is a a, a a bit of a spoiler of the background um it's all right um, but and, I'm pretty much destroyed interstellar for you. And, <laughs> but humanity, humanity doesn't realise this. They don't know that the aliens won't come back again. They don't know that yeah. the aliens haven't realised this because the aliens have no means of of um, okay. verbal communication or oral communication because mm-hmm. um, they 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 are linked mind to mind. Mm-hmm. And um, so now it's a case of humanity's taking the war to to the aliens. The second invasions, yeah. the aliens set up um, various stations in uh, in outer uh, outer sort of asteroids, which do which orbit the sun as well as planets, and on various moons. Um, and so there's this vast amount of alien technology which they they get and understand, and they build ships which can which can travel, which can accelerate up to near light speed. Um, but uh, they also the main the main sci-fi element in it is um, something called the Ansible, which is instant communication wherever you are in the universe. Okay. And that um, it's explained by these particles, which are um, 
fixed together as the set fixed together themselves but can be split mm-hmm. and the two the two pieces can be taken away from each other but if they're rotated mm-hmm. they will both rotate in in, in harmony mm-hmm. so wherever wherever one is you know even if it's the other end of the universe if it starts rotating the other piece will rotate as well yeah so they use, turn that into you know a binary message form mm-hmm. you got you got instant uh, instant communication okay. um so as soon as the as soon as the second alien invasion is as has been defeated, they build this big fleet and send it off towards the alien homeworlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, the search for someone who can who can command the fleet um, uh, takes place on Earth. And they lo- that and obviously they they start uh, looking for children. Realize that, you know they need to take children from as young as six or seven um mm-hmm. and they go up into they basically go up into space school and learning space they start learning space tactics the the point of taking them to space school is so that they don't get used to thinking about some um, uh tactics with gravity on okay. playing the field that so they're, they're always from their first tactical lessons they're always dealing in three dimensions yeah um, which the adults can't do because their brains are too old and stupid. Yeah, natural. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's just it's just it's it's a great it's a great uh, book and um, it does have some sequels which um, which are completely completely different and sort of mm. off the wall and crazy and uh, it starts exploring sort of outer space and the creation of things through a pure idea. And goes into very very weird sci-fi territory, but the uh, the original book Ender's Game is uh, is very good, very intelligent, and uh, and has a shocking twist. So um, what what's the uh, what's the film? How does the film stand up to the, to the book? A lot of people didn't like the film, but I will say that it I think it probably did the best it could. Um, yeah. With with the time slot of a film, you know, two and a half hours or however long it is, yeah, yeah. you know, there's there's so much in the book and all of it's important um, mm. that they they could only you know they could only put so much of it into the film. And to be fair, they did a good job of of picking and choosing what they thought ought to be in there, mm-hmm. and and tweaking the story slightly to make it to 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 get. To get the importance points across quicker, yeah. basically. Um, so there's a couple of things. Um, there's one, there's one, fit, one choice that I really didn't like. They, um, they, their, their casting with. I mean, there's a couple of things they changed. Uh, there's one, there's one uh, officer who they changed to, um, they changed to a woman. But I thought, I thought it was done very well and made a lot of sense for the character. But there was one character. Yeah. Um, called Bonzo Madrid, who is um, basically the main rival of Ender while he's at school, because mm-hmm. um, Ender is this genius kid, and he's been, you know, mm-hmm. his his parents were by the government were sort of secretly pushed together without them knowing it, so that they'd they'd fall in love naturally, and have, these, and, ha- and have these three genius children, um, yeah. of whom Ender is the perfect warrior. Yeah. Um, but he has this main rival at uh, at the at the battle school up in space, and in the books he is this guy called Bonzo Madrid who's from Spain, um, 
and uh, and has this big Spanish pride thing. But in the books, he's much older than Ender, and he's he's very tall, very you know tall, strong, and intelligent boy. They're all sort of super intelligent up on this place. Um, but uh, Ender, Ender, not deliberately, but just through just through the the tasks they have to do, start showing him up. Yeah. Um. You know, sort of win wins a battle. By saying, uh-huh. and, uh, and then the teachers say, oh, well, what did Bonzo do wrong? He's, and he'll say this, this, and this, which he merely hates Bonzo. Yeah. But um, uh-huh. but in, in, the, in the film, they take Bonzo and they turn him into, um, I don't want to say into a midget, but into this very, very short, short boy who's, I think, meant to be maybe a year older than Ender, and just yeah. turn his, his anger into basically Napoleon Complex. Which I really didn't like, and there's there's yeah. a fight between the two of them, um, and it's a case of when it comes when it happens in the film was like, well of course Ender would win, he's bigger than him. Yeah. But in the books, um, Bonzo, uh, I think it's in the showers, and uh, Bonzo says, you know, I'm gonna fight you, I'm gonna fight you one on one, and uh, and then and and takes his clothes off and he says, I can't compensate for my size, you're such a genius, you figure it out. And then comes at him, um, mm. but in 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 the films, it just the the that sort of big sort of climax between the two of them just feels a bit like a wet fart. <laughs> like, oh, oh, look at the angry little look at the angry little boy coming at you. It's like, yeah, it re- it really loses a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, drama between the two of them. Um, but uh, no, it's it's still still a great story. So you should have watched the film? I would say give the book a go. Um, okay. The film's fine, but... Um, I'll go on Amazon now. Let's see. There is... It's, it's one of those that uh, I've always known of. Um, I had friends... Yeah. I say friends. I had a friend who read it um, back in school. I did read the book so. first, but there is an actually really, really excellent audiobook version of it, which was the, I think, the 20th anniversary mm-hmm. uh, of the of the original short story being written, um, and uh, it's it's somewhat acted out in that all the chap most of the chapters from different perspectives. It's mostly Enders, but most of the ones from different perspectives are done through uh, are done by different readers. And yeah. they're all very, very good. Um, so I would, uh, I would recommend if you, if I was there, I'd give it to you because I've got it on my, um, my iPod. Yeah. But, uh, well, um, next time, see ya. Yeah. I'll map uh, it off you. Yeah. Okay. Super. Should we get onto our feature? <laughs> Unless there's anything, anything else you want to, uh, any books or any other. Things you want to bring up? I'm sure we'll end up doing another space one. Yeah. If I can okay. Think of anything. Let, let's get let's get onto let's yeah. let's talk about Tommy Wiseau's thing. <laughs> I am looking forward to all the wonderful <sighs> things you have to say about this film. Please. So as some of our listeners may know, at the end of every podcast we do a feature. Um, I say end because. It's probably going to be about another half hour. Um, <laughs> they, they do take which, up quite a lot of time. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realise yeah. when we came up with the concept how much time the bad, mo- the good reviews of bad movies would take up. 
if they take any longer, we might have to start doing two different podcasts. It might, it might, might be an idea. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Well, let's but, give us some feedback, so, audience. Let us know what so you would like to hear. Last week, Alex set me the task of watching a bad movie. The bad movie was Tommy Wiseau's *The Room*, which I had never heard of <laughs> the up until heard last of it. week. Oh, the internet's <laughs> heard of it. The internet has heard of it. it it's one of those things. It's like uh, it's like the uh, *Ilha de Muerta in *Pirates of the Caribbean*, um, in that you don't know it's there unless you know where it is. You don't know it exists until you get told about it, and then. You realise how did I not know that this existed? <laughs> um, and I'm, I've got a review now. I'm not saying anything bad. <sighs> okay, my review's done. <laughs> no, okay, right. That, let, let, um, I can hear all the what, weariness uh, I had. What in- did I enjoy about this film? Right, you know. You get this especially when you're a kid. Um, you know that feeling that you have when um, you sort of like you're asked, "What do you want to do when you're older?" And you kind of go, "I want to be a spaceman, but also a cowboy, um, and I want to have loads of friends and loads of money. I also want to be a rock star, and also I want to live in." space station but I want ice cream every day for dinner you know just just outlandish ridiculous sort of like um, yeah you know that feeling you know you, you know what uh, I mean like, yeah, I, I that yeah. And, 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 and then when you grow up you you end up being a checkout clerk at Waitrose <laughs> and but there's there's kind of that feel to this movie in that your main character Johnny who's played by writer and director Tommy Wiseau, um, he's kind of like he's got this perfect life, almost too perfect. Um, in that you know, like everybody knows his name, everybody's friends with him, nobody's got anything bad to say about him. It it kind of feels to me like uh, it kind of feels to me like it's 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 a, it's a more adulterated version of that feeling. In that he's got the perfect job, the perfect life, the perfect wife, the perfect friends, the perfect money situation, the perfect uh, accommodation. Oh, by the way, he's also um, uh, he's also sponsored a kid who he found on the streets and he's putting him through college and things like that. It's 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 like uh, did, did you get what I'm uh, did you get what I mean? Like in that so, yeah, sort so of like I, I, over I the top sort uh... of um, Mr. Nice guy. You know, it's kind of like um, yeah, it's, it's, you're it's watching nice a superhero see, film. It's nice you're to see a... someone have all the things you want. Yeah, yeah. But this is the thing. This is what this is what I'm getting at. Um, so you you watch uh, I don't know. Um, give me a superhero film. Any superhero film. Daredevil. Daredevil. Oh, you fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking cunt. I'm sorry you put me on the spot. <laughs> okay. You okay, watch okay, Daredevil. Okay, no, 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 no. It works. It works. Okay, you watch Daredevil. And, uh. You fucking prick. <laughs> <sighs> right, you watched it. You wa- watch Daredevil. You watch Daredevil. And 
you know that Daredevil is the good guy. Um, and you know that um, if anybody likes Daredevil, anyone sticks up for Daredevil, um, it's because of what he does. You know, moving more on to Thor, you as the viewer, um, you're watching this and you're accepting. Yeah, everyone loves Thor because he did. He 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 um, saved Asgard from Loki, or he uh, defeated uh, Malekith in uh, London, and it's kind of like. It's kind of like what happens after when Thor goes into a bar and they're like, you know what, Thor, you can have this one for free <laughs> without seeing what he did to get that thing for free. Um, for example, Johnny walks into a flower shop and this was great. This this really made me laugh. Um, he's wearing sunglasses and so um, the lady at the counter goes, yes, can I help you, sir? And Johnny says... Um, in his very strange accent, um, I'd like some flowers. And then he takes off his glasses, and the woman goes, "Oh, hi, Johnny." And it's like, "How did you know him? Like, I'd like to see that story, not this one. Yeah. Like, give me more exposition." Um, you want to see what 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 adventure he went through what, to get to this happily ever after? Yeah. What What did Johnny do to get all the things that he wanted when he wanted them? Because it's not really touched upon, which is ironic because pretty much everything else is touched upon. Um, what I like about this story is it's not afraid to um, just start a plot and then not finish it. <laughs> um, which is a bit like real life. It, it's almost as if it's just one little window of you know these people's lives. Um, there's this great bit where the kid that Johnny is um, funding through college and paying for his flat and everything because Johnny's such a nice guy, mm. um, <laughs> who, you know, this nice guy also happens to be the writer and the director and the lead actor. Um, uh, he, uh, this kid anyway, this kid that Mr. Nice Guy, star, director, writer, sponsors, um, he's on a rooftop and a guy comes and meets him and I think the kid's name is uh, Denny, and he's like, Denny, where's my money? And then he's like, no, don't worry, don't worry, I'll, I'll get it to you, I'll get it to you. I'll, 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 it'll be here in five minutes. Now, there's been no establishment of where this money's coming from, or who's coming in five minutes. And then, almost randomly, every single member of the cast appears on the rooftop <laughs> behind them, and this guy has now got a gun to Denny's head. And... Um, Oh, I've just answered my own question. I've just realised where he gets the gun from. Okay, so this guy has a gun to Denny's head. And, you know, I mean, this is one of the things that I think um, Johnny can do. He's almost a superhero because without even sort of like having to move very far, um, he manages to get the gun off of this man who's holding it at this poor boy's head. And this boy has some form of mental um, sort of, difficulty as well so it's even worse um but johnny manages to get the gun off this guy without even really sort of like having to break a sweat or moving and um that's and holds telekinesis it to, kyle yeah <laughs> um, and holds it to the drug dealer's head and instead of someone saying phone the police or really just questioning um, what the hell's going on? Mm -hmm. What 
what Johnny and um, Mark do is they sort of lead him downstairs as as Johnny again in his his particularly exciting accent <laughs> says, "Quick, let's take him to the police." Now, again, they don't show this bit because this would be amazing because I'd just love to see what would happen if a man was walked into a police station, sort of being held by one guy and then with a gun to his head from another guy and then those two people say, he's the bad guy. I'd just love to see what what had happened there. But, again, it's not touched upon. Well, you've um, got to remember similar... that this is set in America and, you know, they have well, funny, yeah. funny, funny gun control laws. Well, similarly, there's a there's a there's a scene where um, <clears throat> the mother-in-law of, of Mr. Perfect star writer director Johnny Tommy Wiseau, his mother-in-law, um, just just exclaims, "Well, the test results are back. It's breast cancer. Yep, we don't hear about that again." Um, which is a shame because that's again a plot that I'd like to see play out. But the plot that does play out is. Um, very special. Yeah, why don't you tell us about the main plot of the, of the Okay, so the main plot of... Uh, <clears throat> and I use plots sparingly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Johnny is a person who has had the perfect life. Apparently. Mm. Not sure how, we're not sure why, but um, he's top of his firm be about to be, you know, he's been promised a promotion. Um, everybody in the world knows his name. Everybody loves him. He's got the perfect girlfriend, the perfect friends. He sponsors this kid to it throughout his education. He pays for this kid's, um, pays for this kid's accommodation to, to stay in the same flat as them. Um, and more. There's more. I know there's more. Um, I just, there's just so much in the film that, they establish why he's the perfect person in the world, but um, I can't remember it all. Oh, and it's his birthday coming up. It's also his birthday coming up as well. So it's even more sort of like, oh, let's make Johnny feel good. Um, and he's just got the best advice as well, um, apparently, because uh, everybody goes to him for advice. Um, and so he's got this perfect life, and he's got this perfect girlfriend, and one of the good things about this film is, and this really is a good thing, um, it reminds me of why I like porn. Because <laughs> it's like, it's like when you start to watch a porn and there's that acting bit that you're like, well, I'm just going to fast forward this. Don't need exposition as to why they're fucking. Um, and you'd think with sort of just, you know, your standard film that they, they sort of like, cut out all the fucking, but they don't. Um, there's a lot of sex in the film, and again, another thing I appreciate, and it's to do with these sex scenes, is, you know, and you and I do this all the time, um, I don't know whether a lot of other people do, I don't know how common it is, but I know I know some people do this, so... You, I, 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 I didn't know we recorded that many sex scenes. But... Well, no, all the time. Um, all the time. You just don't know we're doing it. Um, you know when you you you're listening to a song and you're like, oh wow, I can I can use this. This is I can imagine this happening. Um, I can imagine that happening, sort of thing. So I mean, that's how I write. 
that's how I do my writing. I'll think of, you know, I'll listen to a song and let, let the rises and falls sort of, you know, determine the, the action scenes of, of a chapter or something like that. Or, you know, so, or, or you know, and, and I, know, I know you have the same sort of thing with your, your, your extended fantasy sequences. And, and, and so I feel Tommy Wiseau does this with sex. <laughs> Because he's not afraid. Oh, getting back to my point, sorry, with that is. But don't you sometimes feel you're listening to a song and you think, oh, actually, this song's a little bit too long. Yeah. Um, like, it, this would be great for like the first two verses in the chorus. It's like an American Pie. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fucking ages, and it's a great song. But by the end, you're sort of like, oh, I've eaten my American Pie. And, you know, now all I've got is a bad taste in my mouth from the last ten verses. Um, well, Tommy Wiseau's not afraid to go, fuck it, let's just put the song in, it's a good song, and we'll have a five-minute sex scene. Now, of course, it is just, you know, your, your standard-rated movie, so even though there is the porn acting and the uh, and, and the sex, they can't show a lot, so they just have a lot of moaning. Even when nobody's touching each other, just moaning. Um, but I appreciate the, the gesture. And there's a good six or seven of these scenes. That's not an over, that's not an understatement. It might be an overstatement. Um, but, you know, you've got a good six or seven of these, um, these sort of like, really sort of like, long, weirdly soundtrack uh, sex scenes, and I appreciate it. it. It's good to have a break from the the story, um, and the story sort of goes like this: as I've, I've established, Johnny has this perfect life, and you might notice that Johnny sounds a lot like Tommy. Just some, just something I thought of. Just something I thought of off the top of my head. Um, but what this film does well is um, it sort of establishes a problem, i.e. The, the perfect girlfriend that Johnny has doesn't love him anymore. Um, she's bored of him because he's, he's too nice. And now, now, I'd like, I'd like to um, hear... Too secure... A bit about the, the 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 scene between the daughter and the mother-in-law, because you know it's usually a a, a tradition that uh, the mother-in-law is is a bit of a villain character, and you know she 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 doesn't like she doesn't like the. Main You've character. done your research, haven't you? No. What what is what is what is the mother-in-law's opinion of Tommy? Of, perfect of, of Johnny, man. Tommy Johnny. Uh... So. Uh... You know what? You never find out Johnny's last name. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Wiseau or Fizo or you know. Um, so um, uh, Johnny Fizo's mother-in-law um, has a very strong opinion on Johnny, and that it's that he's the perfect man for her. Um, not just the perfect man, the perfect man ever, and you should stay with him because he's a very nice guy. He's the best guy actually, and in fact, um, you're a horrible person for even considering leaving him. Um, to which the girlfriend says, oh, well, you're always trying to control my life anyway. And again, this isn't ever brought up again. Um, 
And in the following scenes, it almost feels like the, the mother-in-law has now just accepted, well, you get, you're going to split up with him, so just do it. Um, I think she's trying to get to Johnny Fizo herself. <laughs> but again, it's a plot point that never gets brought up. Um, but the girlfriend, for, for, for no reason other than that Johnny is too perfect, too secure, has the perfect life and is comfortable, um, for that very reason, she decides not only that that she doesn't want to be with him, but that she wants to ruin his life. Um, because, you know, that's what girlfriends do, apparently. Um, there's no exposition as to why she feels such sort of emptiness towards him or hatred. But she See, decides... That, 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 that speaks to me of a sort of a somewhat somewhat dangerous character in that, you know, you'd, that, that, that she's doing these nasty things for no reason. You know, it, it brings up sort of thoughts to me of uh, a recent, the recent film that came out, Gone Girl, you know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You know, would you, in that same sort of... Um... <laughs> would you equate those two stories on a par? <laughs> it's definitely a comparison. <laughs> It's a bit different. It's a bit different. No, to, um, to be fair, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not they're not the same film. Not the same film. <laughs> what would you say? Gone Girl draws some inspiration <laughs> from the room. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, because you know, I, I know you've seen you've seen Gone Girl, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you think? Eric. What elements? What elements can you see that might have been inspired by the room? Do you think? Well, Ben Affleck was in Daredevil, and I hated him for that. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Wiseau was in the room, so there's some similarities. <laughs> um. But no, I, I'm digressing, and I, need, and I should get back to. I'm sorry. To the, I'm, I'm, should I'm, talk I'm... about hatred of Daredevil um, in comparison to another film. Um, so, uh, yeah, this 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 woman hates Johnny for having the perfect life and trying to share it with her, and so she decides not only is she going to um, um, end it with him, but she's going to pick on him while she does it. Um, and I don't know why, because I, I've put this kid through college, and also everybody likes me, and, and also I've been really nice to you and I bought you a red dress, and also I have the perfect job. Do you see, you know, where it's going? Like, he just has all these, all these reasons why he's so perfect, and I can't see, you know, it's really, really nasty what she does. What she does is, um, she, she goes to his best friend and says, I want to fuck you. Mm. And he basically yes. says no, even though when she phoned him and answered the phone and, and, and sort of started the conversation as, hey, baby, he knew immediately who she was. Um, now, she calls him over and he's like, no, I'm not going to cheat on, on Johnny because Johnny's my best friend. Um, and then all almost immediately fucks her. Um, <laughs> and then about... Ten minutes later, she calls him again uh, in a new scene, and he's like, "Hey, let's do it again." And he's like, 
no, I can't do that. Johnny's my best friend. Like, he's my best friend. Do you even know what that means? He's my best friend. So he fucks her again. <laughs> and again. And it, I like that they keep reminding you that he doesn't want to do this by saying that Johnny is my best friend as the only excuse is not to fuck her. So you'd say that he, Just he's, he he's, he's definitely the victim. Oh, he's... Along with Johnny, definitely. of course. But, you know... Well, n- yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you'd, 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 you'd say that in this situation, it's definitely all the woman's fault. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's definitely... No, that's the thing... That's the, the point that the, that the film gets across. There is nothing wrong with Johnny. He's the perfect guy, and it was all her fault. Um... And the fact that she would even sort of consider doing it to Johnny is just wrong. And every character that finds out what's going on is completely disgusted and yet refuses to tell Johnny. Um, so, you know, maybe it's because it would hurt him too much and it wouldn't, you know, I suppose it would end the plot a lot quicker. Um, but so some things happen and I, I say that quite liberally because nothing happens. <laughs> Um, you know, you, you get you get some scenes and uh, and they happen, and then yeah, the test results are back. I have breast cancer, and then nothing's brought up with that again. Um, and then uh, they're talking about getting married. Johnny and uh, Lisa. Are, oh, and there we go. There, there, there was one. There was one really good bit because um, obviously, because Johnny's the perfect guy, he doesn't drink either because that's like wrong so she gets him to drink because he didn't get his promotion because they're assholes and they don't look up to me and and lisa's like well well haven't they uh haven't they um started using your ideas and if, he's like yeah they've already implemented five of my ideas but they're already in motion so there's nothing i can do now oh five uh, so she she gets him to drink and then claims that he hit her when he didn't hit her, what? Because, because she thinks that that will get everyone on her side, but everyone's like, <laughs> everyone's like, no, he wouldn't hit you. But there's this great scene which I think must have been, you know, I'm maybe I'm reading into it a bit too much, but Tommy, Tommy, no, Johnny, Tommy, yeah, it's a hard walks out, which is weird. I know. It's almost as if they're the same. I know, it's almost as if he put a bit too much of himself in the character. Um, but basically, he just bursts out of our room. Doesn't really, no exposition of to why he's in the room or, you know, what's in there. Just bursts out of a room, shouting, I didn't hit her. I can't believe she would say that. I can't believe she'd, she'd say that I hit her. Um, but this is the first we've heard about it. And he's not saying it to anyone. And then he confronts her about it. So it's clear that, clear that, like, she hasn't said it to him. But similarly, she hasn't told anyone yet because then we see her tell every other character individually that he hit her. Uh, maybe the scene was just put out of place. Um, maybe yeah. But maybe, maybe, we want maybe, we want to make it very clear. Maybe it's a flash forward. You 
I need to make it very clear in this interview, in interview, fucking um, this review, he didn't hit her. He didn't. Um, he definitely, and definitely then, didn't hit her. Yeah. No, no, he didn't. No. Um, and then um, they decide that they're going to go play football in tuxedos because that's what people do. Um, I think the exposition is supposed to be that they were trying on suits for the upcoming wedding between Tommy and Lisa that has never actually been established properly. Um, but they decide they're going to go play football in the tuxedos. But the, the great thing about this is clearly, um, clearly they weren't afraid to uh, show budget constraints. And so they go up onto the rooftop. So you'd say it's, it's a very honest movie in that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a very honest movie. They they let you know almost immediately when they're using green screen. Um, like any scene where they're on a rooftop, because who can afford to film on a rooftop? Um, so they use green screen, because that's much more affordable than going to the roof. Are you, are you sure it's uh, green screen and it's not just a painted background? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. But they play football. But like I say, they're not afraid to show that they've got budget constraints. So, you know, it it becomes apparent that the green screen that they do have only extends about two metres any which way. And so when they play football, and I'm not talking about football football, I'm talking about American football, what they're actually doing is they're playing past the ball almost as if they were playing past the parcel. <laughs> in a circle, next to each other, just pass, go, pass, go. Except there's no music. And really, the only winner is, right. well, not, not Johnny, because Johnny has the perfect life and everyone's picking on him and I can't understand why. Oh, poor Johnny. But, I feel for him. But... It gets to his birthday party that was talked about very early on in the film and then all of a sudden has, has been pulled out of someone's arse. Um, and, you know, everybody's there. It's a huge event. Like, really. It's, 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 it's Johnny. Johnny. It's Johnny. And, um, Why during this period. Be yeah. During this period, um, the, uh, the, the, the affair between Mark and Lisa becomes apparent. And Say it ain't so. Oh no, oh no, I've missed the best bit. I've missed the best bit. This was when he confronted um Lisa mm. about um <laughs> about him hitting her. And she's just being a bitch. You know, if um if Sophie acted this way to me, I would tell her to fuck off. Um but that's because I'm not a nice person. Um, and I'm certainly no Johnny Tommy, Johnny Tommy. Um, so Johnny Tommy, Johnny Tommy is, um, he's arguing with Lisa and out of almost nowhere just has this like powerful sort of, um, sort of exclamation of his feelings where he shouts again in his, in his, very, very undeniably interesting accents. Almost unidentifiable. That does and I say almost I say almost unidentifiable. You can't I mean, identify. 
unidentifiable. Um, he just exclaims, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. And it, it kind of reminded me of Arnold Schwarzenegger a bit, which I liked. Um, but he shouts this. Um, and she just walks off because she's a bitch. And who would do that to Jonna? And, uh, and then he, he's speaking to his friend who happens to be a psychologist. Um, and, and there's this great scene where he's asking his psychologist friend for help. And then when his psychologist friend tries to help him, he says, why are you always trying to play with my mind when we talk? And I was like, yeah, why are you? He's only looking for advice, not for help, you fuck, <laughs> you fucking cunt. Why don't you just leave Johnny Tommy alone? Um, and so the party happens, the affair comes out, everybody leaves, and they're all like, oh my god, I can't believe you do that to him, you fucking bitch. And you, you're supposed to be his best friend, and you, you fucked him over, you fucking cunt, and, um, and, and Johnny goes into this spiral of depression in about 30 seconds as everyone's left and kills himself. <sighs> and, and this is a, this is honestly, um, you know, you may have noticed some of the stuff I've said in this, this review is somewhat, um, funny, sarcastic maybe. I actually really liked that the film had a dark ending. Because if it had had a happy ending, I wouldn't be doing this review. I would be on the train <laughs> to Penrith, getting a taxi to your house and burning it the fuck down. <laughs> so your review's over now, then? No, I'm still saying a good thing. Okay. That's, okay. Um, this, this is this is this is a good thing that the that, that, uh, yeah, okay. movie yeah. had a bad ending. It's not just that, that Johnny died. I'm not, you know, I'm just glad that it took the moral stance of going, all these bad things have happened to fuck up his life because he's so perfect. Mm. And now his life's not perfect. So he has to end it. Um, well, and it, it's, it's, the logical it's a very, well, it's, oh, you know, it's the only logical thing that can happen because he didn't get the promotion either, remember? Of course. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a very interesting film. And it wasn't shy about going, you know what, fuck it, we'll make it an hour and a half. Um, we can fill the space. We'll just put in some plot points that maybe we won't discuss. Oh, we couldn't make it longer though. Um, I liked some of the characters, um, particularly, um, Denny, the, uh, mentally challenged young boy who lives across the hall, whose apartment is being paid for by Johnny. And who looks up to Johnny as a father, but also has this kind of Oedipus complex where he's in love with this Lisa woman and says that he wants to marry her and kiss her. Um, that's a quote, by the way. Just wants to marry and kiss her. Um, to which Johnny, because he gives the best Marriage advice. Marriage is more than just kissing, young man. <laughs> <laughs> to which Johnny replies, maybe one day. Um, <laughs> which I think is good advice, you know. Um, well. Oh, I don't suppose you think Johnny's paying for this young man, and you know he doesn't seem to be averse to I, the idea I, it, of him. It, it, it crossed my mind. It crossed my mind, but um, there's not really much more I can say without sort of being prompted. So, have you got any questions about the film? 
Hmm. I would say has has the film have any of the film's elements or story ideas uh, influenced you at all and inspired you to uh, to 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 go on and and write or create something using well, some f- of those ideas or elements? I'm going to put it out there: the final elements of suicide spoke volumes to me during the film. Um, but then that that same sort of sense of ending myself sort of left once the film was finished, so I don't think it had much of a profound effect on me there. Um, I can't honestly say that it's particularly my style of writing. I'll say that. Okay. Um, with that, I, I am going to end the review. It is... It's a hard thing to watch a film that you have no idea about, knowing that it's bad, if I'd gone into this film and thought it's good, maybe I would have found it less funny. But the fact that I found it so funny is uh, is very helpful. <laughs> See, I asked you last week, what did you honestly think was the worst film you'd ever watched? And you said you thought it was The Secret of Magic Features, which you made me watch. <laughs> um, and there was a charm about The Secret of Machu Picchu Maybe just because it was animated, um, and there was, a, you know, there was some songs in it. And although it was bad, it was kind of that kiddie bad where you kind of expect it because you know they're always going to do cheap kids films, and so whatever you know, it was a bad film. But you know, at least the secret of Machu Picchu had some charm in how bad it was. The room has so much charm about being bad and then gets worse <laughs> I mean what I must have texted you like three times throughout the film because it's fucking endless <laughs> if something happened if anything actually happened to this particularly unlikable fucking character that everyone <laughs> seems to love who has this delusional sense of fucking grandeur that everyone loves him and everybody knows his name. And I can't help but think that Tommy Wiseau thinks this about himself now. Do you um, think that perhaps he was possibly inspired by a, uh, a breakup to uh, to make this film? Well, well, there is one good thing that's come out of this film and you're going to watch it. Not today, but I'm going to get you to watch it. There's going to be that um, the uh, the guy that played Mark in it was an up-and-coming actor. Because mm. I, I did a bit of research on the film after, because I, I just honestly wanted to find out how such a bad film was made. Um, and not not so much made, because I've been to Poundland. I've seen the I've seen the Poundland films that are, are sort of by local people, you know. Um, but th- this has got sort of like domestic and international releases. You know, you can buy some DVD from Amazon and, and, and shops. You can buy it in shops. I don't want to know how. And so I looked it up. And, and, and from what I've gathered, basically, the uh, and this is told from the viewpoint of um, this this uh, Mark character. He met Tommy Wiseau in an acting class who is foreign, couldn't really identify the accent, and had sort of this larger-than-life quality about him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And what happened is they both saw the talented Mr. Ripley. And where the guy that played Mark identified the lead character played by Matt Damon as... Um, sorry, no, no, no. Yeah. No. Sorry, Mr. Ripley. Yeah, he saw Ripley. No, what? I don't know. Who's the, You've who's lost the me. one played by Jude Law? Jude Law. I don't know. The one I've played by it. Jude Law. He's not seen it. Yeah. Right, so... Fucking... Jude. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why haven't you seen the talent of Mr. Ripley? I've got to fucking find characters' names and everything now to... to, to... Anyway, right, so the, the, the main character in it... Yeah, Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon's character, right, there we go. The guy that plays Mark identified the, the main character in the ta- talented Mr. Ripley as sort of Tommy Wiseau and was like really shocked at how similar they were. Mm. Whereas Tommy Wiseau didn't identify himself. All he saw was, wow, I want to make a film that's that melodramatic and, and, and big and, and, and sort of like, you know, emotional. Yeah. But about self. And that's where the concept of the room came from. And the guy that played Mark has written a book. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's, you know, but he's written a book about just his experiences with Tommy Wiseau and the room. And um, it's going to be made into a film. That's the best thing. It's going to be really? made into a oh, film. Oh, that's beautiful. By, um, it's actually a, Thingy, um, Seth Rogen's production company oh, really? are making the film, so it's actually going to be a, a sort of a, 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 a what you know a, a fairly well released film. <laughs> um, the Disaster Artist it's called, and it's written by um, uh, I've got to find that thingy now. Oh, there's a video game as well. <laughs> Good lord. Good lord. Mercy me. What a world, anyway, what a so world. Greg, Greg, Greg Sestero, Greg Sestero, I think, is the writer, mm. and he wrote it about the room and his experiences with Tommy Wiseau, and now it's going to be made, like I say, it's going to be made into a film. The film, this is Wikipedia, so, um, you know, pinch of salt. take it with a pinch of salt, yeah. Produced by Seth Rogen, now, I can confirm it is Seth Rogen's um, production company that done it. It's going to be directed by James Franco, which is great, because, I mean, James Franco. Yeah. Um, and Franco will star as Wiseau. That, that. Are you starting to see what, you know what, this is good, because I bet the screenplay is going to be written by James Franco, and it's going to star James Franco, and it's going to be direct. Do you see that, but then Dave Franco, his brother, is going to play Sestro, uh, i.e. Mark, um, but the, the 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 book is actually, from what I understand, actually very well received. Mm. Um, and there is an audio book, so I'm going to find it for you. Okay. Um, that is but, something I would listen start to yeah. start to finish. No, you know what? It actually might be really good. I don't I'm, know. Sure, I'm, I'm sure it will I, be. I, 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 <laughs> I'm genuinely being sincere in that I, I would oh, right. really love to read that. And, um, uh, but... Getting back to what I was saying with with the secret of Machu Picchu, you know, there was a, there was a there was a level of charm to it. Similarly, with um with Bionicle Three, I expected it to be bad, 
And it was in that kiddie sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, bloody hell. Alright. Okay, the bad guy is the good guy, and the good guy is the bad guy. Alright. Uh, whereas with this, there was a much more mature sense of why is this so bad? What is, you know, the acting was bad, the filming was bad, the music was particularly dreadful. <laughs> At one point, it's all orchestral, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, the fifth sex scene in the past 20 minutes, and it's R&B again. Like, I just can't even describe how bad this film is. The fact that he picks up all these random plot points and then doesn't explore them, which are more interesting than the fucking film about him being him, and why is everyone picking on me? Because I'm so nice. Why is no one like me? Right? I feel so bad for him. Now, my review's over. (laughs) I could honestly talk for a millennia about how bad this film was. And part of me was thinking, you know what, I'm going to get you to watch the film, the same film, (laughs) in response. But I thought, no, that's that's not good. Um, and don't get me wrong it's coming (laughs) I'm going to watch it Um, and so I thought uh, this is the thing like with um, you gave me Bionicle which it was kind of um, it, it had sort of like meaning to both of us because we both like Lego and you'd actually sort of the week before been explaining to me the story of the Bionicle sort of franchise and mm. stuff like that. So I felt there was kind of a, a little bit of a personal thing there. So I I tried to match that with um, with Wild Child, which again had kind of a personal connection to both of us because of the story about the song on your iPod and you know and you having the Wild Child soundtrack. So that's why I gave you Wild Child. So then you gave me the secret of Machu Picchu, and I felt well, okay, I'm, I'm going to match it. I'm going to match it with a similarly bad animated film based, like, with a story based from another film, lifted. And so with this, I wanted to give you Jack and Jill. And I thought, it's just not time yet. It's just, like, (laughs) it's not the right, it's not the right match. And so I was just thinking, like, what mind-numbingly boring bad film can I find and I spent a good long time thinking about this. And I texted you the other day. I told you that I'd um, I found a film. Or... I have two films in mind. And I'm going to tell you what both those films are. Because neither of them are the film that I'm going to get you to watch. Okay. And I, I, I'm almost positive you won't have heard of the film that I'm going to get you to watch. But it is on YouTube. I've checked. And most of my research today was finding out, A, this film, and B, where I could find it. Oh, turns out, YouTube. Um... So I was I was looking at Freddy Got Fingered and I was looking at Battlefield Earth. Now I'm guessing you've heard of at least one of those films. I think I've heard of both of them. Yeah, well one of them is the, the awful um John Travolta flop that is based on half of a book um written by um science fiction writer um L. Ron Hubbard, who created the fictional religion of Scientology. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of Scientologist sort of themes in the film. 
and it's one of the reasons why the film did so badly. I was going to give you that. That was going to be the one that I was going to give you. That was the one that I decided I was going to give you. The only reason I hadn't given you Freddy Got Fingered is because I wasn't actually sure if you'd had the displeasure of already watching you. So can I confirm, have you ever seen Freddy Got Fingered? I have never seen Freddy Got Fingered. Okay, well... Um, expect to one day. <laughs> Perhaps two weeks from today. Um, but... No, I uh, I was going to give you one or two, and then I I got up today and I was you know I was confident I was going to give you Battlefield Earth, and I was thinking about it and I thought there are some films that are so bad that are actually quite charming, and Tommy Wiseau's The Room isn't one of them. <laughs> some people probably think it is, but I can honestly say I will never watch that film again if I got paid to. Um, and so I thought Battlefield Earth, it's got fairly decent effects. As far as I'm aware, it had a big production budget. Um, I kind of feel like maybe, maybe you might enjoy it too much. You know, you might actually, although it's going to be bad, it's obviously going to be bad. You might come out of it thinking, well, that was actually quite, quite funny, quite charming. And so I started doing research. I started doing a lot of research. Um, and I came across, um, Rotten Tomatoes list of 25 awful films so bad that um, they're, they're, uh, they're irresistible. And I thought, bingo. Bingo indeed. So, what was at the top of the list? Um, was it The Room? Well, The Room was on there. And there was another film called Empire by Andy Warhol, which is an eight-hour-long film, which is just one continuous long shot of the Empire State Building. And I was so sorely tempted to give you that. I was sorely tempted to give you that, but I thought that's actually kind of like like taking the piss a bit, because, like I say, it's eight hours long, yeah. and I wouldn't do that. But just to confirm, if, if you if, try and if, do if that... You, if you had, I'd have given you an eight-hour review. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not giving you Andy Warhol's Empire. Um, and I stumbled across this film, and um, one sentence stood out, and it said, "Did you like Tommy Wiseau's The Room? <laughs> but you didn't think there were enough gay people in it. Well, then you can watch this." Oh God. So, the film I'm going to be giving you is called Ben and Arthur. Ben and Arthur. And I'm almost positive you've never heard of it. So, I'm going to give you a little, you know, a little synopsis to it. A pair of recently married gay men are threatened by one of the partner's brother, a religious fanatic who plots to murder them after being ostracised from his church. Now, sounds quite exciting. Um, let's read a review. Uh, in this 2003 shoot like film, what's the name? I can't even ask it almost lies on. You'll see the name throughout. Hmm, why so? I guess it's all in family, eh? Holly Maravik in a small role, Chris Maravik and Robert Maravik writing original music. Sam Maravik stars, directs, writes, script and music, does the casting as well, 
as the cinematography and the editing along with Chris Marvin. Wow, Sam, you did take on a lot of responsibility. You must have felt like this was something that needed to be seen. I congratulate you on your efforts. Not enough young people venturing into making original film these days. First of all, get a good story. It's just the same review. Do some more research on your choosing of your selections. If you write your own, get more than one opinion before filming. As an actor, I felt you could have done better. If you're going to go naked, go naked. I felt there was too much uncomfortable posing on your part. Too bad that your co-star, Jamie Brett Gable, wasn't naked. But he was something to look at. Nudity can be exciting when photographed well. It wasn't in this flick. <laughs> Even in your first kissing scene, you felt stiff and awkward in the delivery. What a natural thing to kiss a beautiful guy like Jamie. I say go for it. I've done some kissing scenes with another dark guy, and I enjoyed the closeness of them. Most of the rest of the cast, of, most of the rest of the cast were bad actors, not getting good direction for one thing and not being able to pull it off for another. As a casting director, you could have done better. But listen, it was your first film, right? You'll learn some. You learn from everything, don't you? Take this lesson and move on to better scripts, less performing, and solid direction. Now that seems like a fairly honest review. <clears throat> God. On the on the top message board of IMDb, it just says Sam Maravich equals the gay Tommy Wiseau. Question mark. <laughs> and when I read all of this, I thought, well, well, you've struck gold. This is just appropriate, isn't it? This is it. This is what you need to watch. Um, so you are going to be watching Ben and Arthur. And if you go on YouTube, I believe if you just type in Ben and Arthur, it will be the top hit. I am going to confirm that. .com. Ben and Arthur. Oh no, I want to make sure you get the right. It's the top hit. It's an hour and 25 minutes okay. long. It's had only 331 views. So I hope Poor I hope you enjoy that. Um, I know I will. Uh, okay, we can do this. <laughs> breath. And I think that's us for today. Yes. Yep. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank Tune you. in next thank week because next week's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, have we got a topic for next week? I can't. Yeah, we've not we've not oh, settled on okay. one yet. So as once again, it's going to be a surprise. Yep. You find out when you find out. Until you. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yep. Thanks for all listening. Right. All the best. Oh, as, as as usual, the um the email address is the tag podcast at gmail dot com, and the website is the tag podcast dot wordpress dot com. Yep. Thank you for listening. Or you can hear all the past episodes and let us know what do you think. Specifically what you uh, think yes, Tommy Wiseau is the root. <laughs> yes. If you have any bad bad movie suggestions, oh, yeah, please. Us, let please. us let us know. And uh, and and whoever reads the comments first or answers the email first can uh, can use it against the Indeed. other. Which will be me because Tom never checks the email <laughs> website. I've been on the website. Okay, thank you.